I don't remember the exact date my brother gave me a scar, just just to the side of one eyebrow, with a Christmas ornament while we were decorating the tree one year. I know that I probably deserved it from whatever I was doing as the much older brother. Rest in peace, ceramic Jemima Puddle Duck. I will definitely never know the day I got one as a toddler between my nose and my lip caused by a small burn from a radiator while I was crawling around. That one was no one's fault, not even my parents. But I know the exact day I got this long tear just below my left knee. October 27th of last year, the day of the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting. We've been doing a few big renovations in our house. We've had a lot of demolition to get done. And for a while now, I've saved demo days for when there's a terrible story in the news and I need to work out some stress. I found respite in pulling down bricks and ripping out two-by-fours with little more than a, a hammer or a crowbar in my bare hands. In a broken world, I heartily recommend the catharsis of breaking it a little further yourself to ease one's mind. And so, after a few hours of noise, my wife comes downstairs and asks, How am I doing? I had been spending the day since the news broke, tearing my basement walls apart. And as I turned around to answer, my hair is filled with drywall dust, my shirt's drenched with sweat, she screamed, Your leg is covered in blood! And so it was. Bright red streamed down my leg, pooled into my sock, covered in its own layer of destructive dust. It had probably happened at least an hour earlier by this point. From a nail in a board, I hadn't even noticed. I didn't feel the pain until I saw how gory it was. Sometimes you don't even realize the damage in the moment. I didn't look away from the blood. Technically, I guess this one was my fault. This past weekend, I've been working on painting our upstairs. Like I said, a lot of separate, concurrent renovation projects. Painting is is a happy project, though. As I'm covering old walls and new colors, it filled me with, with hope for the things that would happen in those rooms, the moments my family and I will make and share together. But of course, because it was a weekend in America, and in particular this past weekend, we saw two mass shootings. The events in El Paso and Dayton will define an ever smaller moment of our collective memories. And while I don't have any visible wounds from this past weekend, the scar tissue continues to build up everywhere inside me, and I imagine inside all of us as the collateral and psychological damage becomes an everyday part of our lives. Humans are good at compartmentalizing pain. If you think about it all the time, you won't survive. As time passes, the violence all around you becomes a smaller and smaller piece of what your brain can handle. Being able to paint was luxurious. It was cathartic. I escaped into a fantasy of living in the future. A future that's all too uncertain in an America full to the brim with guns. Making our home better is a constant project. That's the growing pain we have of surviving, living, thriving. Beats the alternative, and don't we know it. 
Beyond my house, my neighborhood, my city, our country is faced with a similar renovation. And we are, make no mistake, a fixer-upper. But we can make something more here. You know, some people never get past the joy of just breaking things. I relished the basement destruction. It helped me in that moment because of the dopamine in my brain from the movement and the chaos. That was all good. But demolition isn't good as an end unto itself. What happens next? We have to rebuild. Trump's politics seem so hollow because there's no plan for that next step, no movement to rebuild beyond a, a wall that serves better to rip us apart. Healthcare, foreign policy, trade, no real plans to build or to grow. Just ideas to cut taxes and reinforce structures already in place to help those who were already benefiting from them. And the Republican Party has stood by and allowed this to happen because the demolition of norms, of alliances, of standards for behavior helps clear a path for them and their policy preferences in the short term, even if it leaves us no shelter in the long term. That's demolition. And I could list the, the promises he's made or fears he's stoked or reasons to not expect a solution in the near future at the level of national politics, particularly in the problem of guns. But that's not what I'm here to do right now, because I'd like to leave you with a spark of hope. There's an incentive, by the way, for those on the conservative side of the spectrum to allow a scary world to continue, because when people think that nothing is certain, that makes them more suggestible for right-leaning politics. If you think the world is dangerous, you are more likely to vote Republican. It's literally mapped on your brain. A good study that we saw last year, psychology paper, outlined that conservative versus liberal folks' brains show different connectivity when shown threats. Even repulsion showed a partisan divide. So if you grimaced, instead of feeling maybe primarily empathetic while I was describing the blood that was coming out of my knee, you might be more likely to vote conservative. On the other hand, a more liberal politics requires an understanding of the world that emphasizes our shared goals and values. Because when we reach out to our neighbor, not in fear, but in hope, we find what we have in common instead of a reason to bolt up our doors. That's why I host my pasta dinners. That's why I have this conversation, including, by the way, having it in a public space where you can come have a drink with me in real life. Trump has made it a central question, who we define as that neighbor, who is worthy of our love and respect. It matters. Again, it comes down to brain chemistry and conditioning, because I'm less likely to be scared of what's different if I've been exposed to it. But there's nothing different inside that pit that I dig for myself in fear. While reporting from the 2016 convention in Cleveland, I stood on the floor and listened to Trump address the RNC in tones that evoked a nightmare hellscape of rape and murder and theft with immigrants as the villains in most of those stories. The attendants ate it up. They wanted a strongman leader to protect them from it. From the inauguration on, he has described American carnage while simultaneously claiming that things are better than ever with him in office. That inconsistency and hypocrisy seem baked in. 
Trump told some members of Congress recently to go back to where they came from, a racist version of the love-it-or-leave-it sentiment we've seen as a common refrain in American politics from the right. Trump gets to complain, but those four women of color and lots of other people who look like them before and since, they don't. But we know there's another option beyond loving America or leaving it. We can renovate it bit by bit, piece by piece, because what we like and need now is different to what the old owners wanted. Our needs are different. We are less racist than a nation of slavery. We are less sexist than a nation of male suffrage. We are more productive than a nation of single crop farmers. But we're not done changing. We need fewer guns, more access to health care, better opportunities. And my wife wants a potting bench outside for reasons beyond my understanding. We know this place needs some work. We should invite some people over. Because that's hospitality. A virtue that's going to help us understand and change alongside what's new and unknown just outside our door. When I sustained my renovation injury, I nearly skipped getting a booster shot because I didn't think tetanus was that bad. I, I knew that tetanus is painful, tightening of the muscles. It can lead to lockjaw. To be honest, there was part of me that didn't care. I was so angry. I welcomed the pain. I was so stupid and stubborn. I wanted to embrace that chance of consequences just to feel something. Having a good partner in my wife, Katie, prevented that. And I hope that you have people in your life to help you when you're being as idiotic as I was. Because tetanus is deadly. And I hope this conversation, this community we're trying to build, to renovate, to paint with new colors, ends up helping you in some way, big or small. For you in your life, for all the times you might have embraced or even given into that pain, for you, with all your beautiful scars. We choose to break things apart, and then we choose to rebuild. Our nation is still healing from some of the worst breakages, our own civil war, the legacy of racial violence that undergirds every part of public life. We're still recovering from the wounds of terror attacks and recession and endless conflict abroad. Far too many of these are self-inflicted. Far too many are barely even acknowledged. We have a choice. To see, to understand, to react. If you see what I see, if you understand it the way I do, then I hope you can know why my choice is at once inevitable and easy, but ineffable and hard. I choose to rebuild, to lift up my friends and family, to boost voices that are fighting our headwinds, to create a place where we can refresh and restore and repair. I'm proud of my scars, but they're not the most interesting thing about me. My choices are. And so are yours. What are they going to be?